0: Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a podcast from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah.
1: Each week we'll be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam. I'm so excited to have you guys here today. I'm the Campus Support Team Director here at South Mountain Community Church, and with me, I've got Eric Nelson, one of our teaching pastors, and Paul Roby, our lead pastor. Guys, it's great to be back for another week. How are you doing? Doing great today. My daughter started third grade,
2: so uh, you know, my wife and I feel feel like we've kind of crossed into a new chapter. We have a third grader, so it's a it's a fun week to. Nice. Uh, To be here on the podcast, a fun week for our family.
0: Great. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I actually got to experience our Draper campus on a Sunday morning for the first time since the shutdown. So
1: that was great to be back with those folks. Awesome. Excellent. Well, guys, before we jump in for today, as we're going through our our continued values and looking at that, uh, I've got a few things that I want to just remind people about. One, we love getting feedback from you guys. You guys are leaving reviews, uh, letting us know just... um, And you're enjoying the podcast, giving us that feedback. We got a a text from somebody this week that I thought I wanted to share with you guys. I thought it was really cool. Uh, Somebody that's new to SMCC and, and just let us know, hey, I'm currently listening to episode two of season two and am loving it. Absolutely love all the resources available for us. So I think that's awesome that somebody that's just jumped right in recently at one of our campuses is already uh, just uh, loving the, the resource that we have and, and being able to enable people to know more about the church and who we are. Um, and I just think it's really exciting. So you guys as well, I mean, if you want to send us a text, you, you can do that. I guess if you have our number, if you want to leave a review, that's probably the best way go on to iTunes, go on to Spotify go on Google podcast and leave us a review. That's a great way to, to just support us. And it does not really cost you anything. And uh, it gets us up there in the ratings as well. Uh, we do get questions from people, which is great. We do have a question that somebody uh, emailed us, um, which you can do. We're going to answer that at the end of the podcast. Um, and you can just email that to smcc at smccutah.org. Or as well, if you want to call in, that's another great way to ask a question. That number is 801 382 8151, and uh, we'll be able to play that on the podcast and answer that question for you. But we love getting questions in and excited to answer one later in the day uh, on this podcast. But first, guys, we have been going through our values, just trying to catch people up. We've really kind of covered the the irresistible culture, which is kind of the umbrella over everything that our values are. Uh, Last week, we were able to cover the first one on the list. Now we're going to the second one. Um, And today's uh, kind of second value is belong before you believe. So, Paul, I see Paul already wanted to get in on this conversation. What, what do you have to say about that, Paul? Well, if you were to ask anybody at SMCC,
0: this is the value that is most often repeated mm-hmm. and most easily, I think, understood, and, and I think probably lived out. I, I think this is, has actually been uh, received, and then acted upon by more people at SMCC than any of our other values. Of course, we want them to live out all our values, but this is one they really get and really embrace. Now, the genesis of this value comes from the experience of the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter, the others in the early church there, especially in Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul was seeing Gentiles come to faith. Um, he he was an apostle to the Gentiles, and so his heart was for people that weren't insiders. You know, the Jewish people were insiders, and, and the Jewish Christians were insiders. They still lived in a very Jewish culture, and they practiced their Christianity with a with a lot of Jewish flavor to it. Mm-hmm. And so now this is quite a challenge to those people living in Jerusalem thinking, can people really be a Christian without being Jewish? I mean, shouldn't they be circumcised? And I mean, isn't Jesus Christ the the God of the Jews as well as, you know, mm-hmm. first and then the, the God of the Gentiles? And so... They had a, they had a council, it's called the Jerusalem Council and they came together and they basically fought it out. and uh, there was a, a group of people that used to be Pharisees that had to actually experience new faith in Christ and, and this group was pretty influential because they were FDFD mm-hmm. you know in, the, in their day and they, they didn't want others to pollute what they considered a pure form of Christianity. Unfortunately, it was a very legalistic, Judaism-oriented type of Christianity, and so after it was all said and done, uh, they came to this conclusion. And I and I think this is, uh, I think this is James or Peter. I can't ever remember who said this. I think it's Peter. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That phrase is what has driven this value. We should not make it more difficult uh, for anyone who's an outsider who wants to turn to God. Let's make it as easy as possible. Uh, I was at a conference once, uh, it's called a DRIVE Conference at North Point, Point. And Andy Stanley brought this ladder out onto the stage, and he said, uh, most people experience church this way and he pointed to a ladder. It was missing all the first several steps. And, and it looks like this giant leap to become involved in church. Like you've got to become a member or you got to you know walk the aisle or you got to commit yourself 100%. And it's missing the first steps. And so what what drives us here is we want people even before taking a step, or maybe that first step is actually walking through the front door. That's a step. We want to honor that, and we want to reward that with a welcome, saying, hey, awesome, you're here, we love you, you don't have to change for us. We will, we will change for you, uh, not doctrinally, but change how we conduct ourselves. We will eliminate uh, a lot of things that make church foreign To an outsider. Mm. And so, of course, we always want to use inclusive language, we want to actually address the person that hasn't believed yet. Uh, That means we eliminate words like, hey, church, you know, that kind of thing, because people aren't really a part of the church yet, they're a guest. And, And so I just thought that it would be good to get that background as the foundation of why we chose this value and why we incorporated it into our our ministry here at SMCC.
2: Eric? Yeah, you know, I think most people would say uh, their experience at church is, I don't belong here until I believe what these people believe. I think that's what most people would say church has been like, for them, and we want to, and we want to flip that, and and so we do what all the things that you described, um, in this process, and and um, and so one of the things that I think at SMCC we talk about a lot is uh, to eliminate the cringe factor. We we use that word cringe factor, and. We've all been in environments where it's like, ooh, that was weird, that was cringy. Uh, the people who go here might like that or understand it, but like you said, the guest doesn't. And so we want to eliminate the cringe factor and, and to help as many people as possible belong before they believe. Um, Tim Keller talks about... Uh, trusting Jesus this way. He says, basically, people make six small decisions on the way to following Jesus. I think a lot of times we think there's this one big moment where we make a decision. And I think, biblically, there is a step-across-the-line moment. But in a culture like ours, uh, in a post-Christian culture like we see here in, in the West, in North America, people do not have enough information to make a decision in one moment. So typically, there's these kind of six small decisions that have to be made. Um, the first is, I just see it. I see now uh, what Christianity is. I'm hearing it communicated from the stage. I'm seeing it in some people around me. I don't know if it's for me yet, um, but, but I'm now aware of it. And then at some point, Sam Keller says, people might take it for a test drive. And so I think there's a, a lot of people at SMCC test driving Christianity, they get into a group to test drive. What, what would it be like? Could I see myself following Jesus? They get onto a team as a test drive. I'm, I'm just kind of seeing what this might be like. So I, I see it. Uh, I'm aware of it. Maybe I need it. And now I'm going to take a test drive. And then at some point throughout the test drive experience, someone says, you know what? I really think this is for me. And that, I think, is where the the step-across-the-line moment happens. But it's hard to tell from the outside, as pastors, where someone's at in those small decisions. So then they say, I test drove it, I'll take it, and now when I serve, and now when I go to a group, and now when I attend church, it reinforces the decision that I've made. And so Belong Before You Believe allows people to kick the tires of Christianity, um, to test drive what it would be like to take their next steps with Jesus. Um, And we want to give them the space to do that. And for some people, that happens in a couple days. For some people, that happens over a couple years. But but Belong Before You Believe is a value that gives time for people um, in this journey. And I think that's why people say Belong Before You Believe was the most important value for me when I chose SMCC as home, because I did not know what I believed. In fact, it took me years to process what Christi- Christianity really is. I needed information to know if I even could believe, I needed evidence. I had to gather evidence, and that took a long time to know if I could even believe. And so, this value creates a culture where there's time and space for people to process, and I think that's super valuable. And I think that
0: all of our values kind of need to be lived out at the same time, because if if we're trying to change people uh, and not allowing God to change them, in in a in a in a way and at a speed that that person's comfortable with, then they don't feel like they belong before they believe. Mm-hmm. They feel pressured. And, and so I'm just picking up on what uh, on what you were saying. What do they experience? Do they experience um, a foreign culture, or do they experience a, a culture that is inclusive and warm and compelling. That that makes it possible for them to feel like they belong before they believe, They're, as they kick the tires.
2: Yeah, and we've said this before. We want everybody who attends one of our services to leave thinking, wow, I understood that. I didn't expect to understand it, but I understood it. They were talking to me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I kind of liked it. Like I, I didn't think I'd like it, because I'm not really a church person, but I liked it. And I don't know if I believe what they believe yet, um, but I think I want to come back. That, to us, is really the scoreboard around creating this value in the way we program or put on our services. Yeah, there's only one more that I'd add to that,
0: and and that is we want people to say, I liked it, I didn't expect to, I want to come back. We also want them to be able to say, I understood everything today. Mm -hmm. There was no churchy words, there was not uh, this insider language that basically embarrassed me that I, I don't know what they're talking about. And so that is fundamental to what we want them to experience.
2: Totally. And so when I'm writing a message, and Paul, you spend... I mean, we write so many messages uh, together at SMCC. Uh, one of the ways I like to think about it is um, I want to get everybody on the bus before I drive them into the Bible. That's one <laughs> way I talk about it, because um, if people aren't sure um, why we're even reading the Bible. Like why? It's just assumed in most churches you're going to open the Bible today. Mm-hmm. I want to build a case for why we're opening the Bible before we open it. And this is part of the value, belong before you believe. And so this is why I say hey, it doesn't matter regardless of what you believe. and in, in fact, in a message recently I said it doesn't matter if you're an atheist, an agnostic, a Hindu, or you believe in the flying spaghetti monster, which is that little bumper sticker that people have on their cars. That's my way of finding common ground with every listener. I want everybody in the seats, regardless of what they believe, to be nodding along with me. I want them on the bus before we drive into the Bible. And um, I think that is part of our secret sauce to creating this value. I think that there could be some listeners out there, especially maybe other pastors who are, who are
0: saying, no, no, we get that, and we do that. So I, I got a little challenge here, mm-hmm. and that is, are you willing to watch people walk away who are mature Christians, or at least they've been a Christian for a long time, right. and watch them walk away, to, and they're saying to you on the way out, I feel like this is not a church designed for me because the language is simple simplified mm-hmm. i'm going to use the word simplified instead of dumbed down i like it and 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 obviously you're addressing people that aren't me and i want you know more for me and then that that's that one person let's call that you know bible bob or whatever that kind of person and then the other person is I want to be able to stand and dance and clap, and if I have a flag, wave the flag, or hit a tambourine, or I want to be able to fully express my faith in God any way I feel like doing that, and I want a more spontaneous kind of worship where I can stand up and tell people what I think God is speaking to me. and. I I just think that the Holy Spirit needs to be unleashed in our services, and and people are freed now to do whatever they feel like God is compelling them to do or say. Okay, we can't have that Mm -hmm. and have this value. Correct. Absolutely. And so we lose all those people. And so uh, South Mountain Community Church is not a great church for bored Christians, Board Christians are looking for the next exciting thing. We have to be predictable and we need to be careful. And that is not what board Christians are looking for. Predictability and care.
1: <laughs> Paul, when you talk about, you know, that situation being in, you know, church and doing these different things, is there not a uh... Scripture that addresses that is that from Paul that just talks about expecting non-believers to be there? Yeah. I can't recall. I know that you're a Bible whiz, so I'm Well just it's on it's First Corinthians
0: <laughs> 14. You know, we have the love chapter, First Corinthians 13, and then in, in chapter 14, he addresses the topic of speaking in tongues. And what he says is if you know you're gonna have a guest in your in your in your church gathering. And if you're speaking in tongues and they there's no interpretation and, and it is just it's just kind of loosey goosey, it's kind of out there. People are gonna think you're drunk, perhaps. I can't oh, believe no. the, 9 a.m. a.m. Believe, in the morning. <laughs> I can't believe the apostle Paul actually said that, but but he's 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 saying they're think they're gonna think you're crazy or or you're wasted or something. There or high or something. It's not gonna make sense to them. Sure. And that's his point. Mm-hmm. If it
2: doesn't make sense to them, the guest, don't do it. So not only is this uh, uh, something that Paul says, people who were nothing like Jesus and did not believe what Jesus believed felt like they belonged with Jesus. Absolutely. And so the Apostle Paul reinforces this, um, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem reinforce this, and Jesus modeled this. So when someone says, oh, belong before you believe, come on, that's like this... Sell out, shallow, postmodern type of church that's caved to culture. I say, no, this is historic. Christianity it was a community of people where people could belong before they believed. Jesus modeled it. The uh, early leaders of the church in the first century made decisions around it, and the Apostle Paul corrected around it. And so it makes perfect sense.
0: One of the things I wanted to note is that we are, in that sense, an attractional church. Uh, we want to attract unbelievers. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: We want to attract believers too, but we're particularly wired to reach people that don't yet believe, and that's why this is an important value. Now in doing so, you have to ask the question, what are you compromising doctrinally in order to do that? It's so important that we don't compromise anything doctrinally, that we actually talk about bad news before we talk about good news, that the gospel is bad news before it's good news, and I'll tell you, I will put up our presentation of the gospel in terms of gospel clarity against any church I know, and I, I, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't say that as a brag. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it takes courage to tell the non-Christian that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Now we say it in all kinds of ways that don't feel that punchy. Mm-hmm. But that's the message, mm. and they're getting the message that if they want to walk with Jesus, they have to come to the place where they've come to the end of themselves, and they have to reach out for rescue.
2: Yeah. Paul, one of the ways that we do this uh, uniquely at SMCC is through transparency and vulnerability from the people on the stage. Yeah. And so in the middle of a message, when I get honest about my history, or I get honest about my marriage, or, or my selfishness... Um, it's a way of helping people uh, belong at SMCC because they look at the person on the stage and they go, "Wow, they're just like me." It's not they're a super Christian, super pastor. Look at them; they have it all together, and I need to be—I need to be like them. It's—it's it's, wow. I feel like I can belong here because these people they get me, they—they they know me, and I might not be a Christian, but I have the same hurts. Um, I've made mistakes, and they've made mistakes, and so. When it comes to communicating the bad news of the gospel, um, it is easy to create c- common ground with a listener, not saying, you're a sinner, so come on, don't we all agree? It's saying, here's my own life. Have you ever experienced this in yours? And people go, yeah. And then we say, what do you think the best explanation is for this? Um, and it's that, oh, the sin in us runs far deeper than we ever thought. We created belonging around our, um, our our failures. We create belonging when we talk about our insecurities, and when we create belonging, when we when we're transparent and vulnerable, and that's one way that you don't have to compromise on the bad news of the gospel, while at the same time allowing people who don't believe they're sinners to connect with you.
0: Now I've been to Africa several times, and my wife's gone with me once or twice, and it's crazy because they always put us in these giant chairs when we go to church, and I preach at these churches, I mean giant throne-like chairs at, at, on the stage, and then, uh you know, she's the first lady of SMCC. <laughs> you know that's how she's introduced, and I'm I don't know if I'm the king or something, <laughs> Bishop but, Paul, but it's that kind of a that kind of a atmosphere where these are holy people. And it's really, I think, injured the ministry of the gospel in Africa to have that kind of mindset that there's uh, the pastor's the, the 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 one that is just more holy than everybody else. In fact I'll tell you a quick story. One time uh, there was actually a procession that started in the dirt park parking lot and uh, the the choir was all in the chartreuse um, Choir robes and they led the way, and they're dancing and they're clapping, and everybody's clapping and singing. And the pastor and I were the last two uh, to come in. And you know, people are cheering when the pastor came in with me. I'm like, I've never experienced that before. I think I could introduce this to South Mountain, but it, it, you know, the, 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 uh, The piano's hooked up to a car battery that was taken out of the pastor's truck. And, you know, it's it's just that type of thing. It's very rural Africa. But my point in, in bringing all that up is you know what? In America, when the pastor says that God spoke to him last night and, you know, downloaded this message and God is giving him just detailed instructions on what to do, what to say, how to live, everything, that person in the pew does not feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. That is foreign to their experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, and I know that's a bit controversial for some people, because a lot of people think that God speaks directly to them, whatever, I'm mm-hmm. not getting into that topic right now, but the consequences that is it's uh, those that, are, that have it and those that don't. Don't have it. Mm. Haves and have not. Mm-hmm. And that person is going to feel uncomfortable like they just don't have it.
2: Yeah. we And in the world of religion, um, this happens all the time. Oh, um, all, all the time. You got the people that walk through the doors with their head down, staring at their feet because they sinned during the week. And you got the pastor on stage, uh, you know, lighting them up because they should be more holy and they should know better. And can't you be like me? And it it allows the person in charge from the stage to k- keep their power because when they get honest and vulnerable, it, it kind of could feel like a threat in, in religion. Then you have the people who are struggling and having a tough week, walking in just feeling like, man, I'm I'm beat up. My my dad once said this to me. My dad and I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, my dad grew up in religion, uh, and one day we were talking about church. He doesn't attend church um, to this day. I think it you know sometimes my mom puts it on on Sunday mornings, watches SMCC online. In the northwest, but uh, one day he said this to me, Eric. uh, Why would I go to church um, just to leave feeling worse about myself than I already do? And I Mm. thought to myself, Oh my goodness, this—I know the experience. My heart went out to my dad, and it made perfect sense why he doesn't want to attend church. Um, That is the opposite of what we want at SMCC. We want someone. So he came to SMCC one time. And he uh, listened to great music and ate a donut. And he said, man, I can't believe that was church. And I said, I thought to myself, yeah, this is what it's like to have a different value um, at church. And so in Utah, people find out you're a pastor and their heads kind of explode a little bit. They've maybe never, sometimes never met a pastor. So they have all these unique questions. And I don't know if we want to dive into that here, but, uh, but really unique questions about uh, our role, our responsibility. Um, one of the questions is, wait, do you, do you get paid for what you do? Why would that ha- Why is that? And we get to explain what, uh, why our, our church family um, would want to put us in roles and positions where we help lead and steward and encourage and guide and how significant that is. And so anyways, um, all that to say, belong before you believe is a, is a value that is flushed out into so many areas of our ministry.
1: Man, I've been listening to this. I think it's a cool conversation. A couple questions that come to my mind. You know, Paul, earlier you had said um, that you think that this value of people can belong before they believe is probably one of the values that you see most lived out at our campuses. Why do you think that is? I think it resonates
0: with people. They like the idea that they don't have to go from zero to 60 in 2.2 seconds. Mm -hmm. You know, pedal to the metal. They can, like Eric described, kick the tires, window shop, test drive. You know, this is appealing to people because if they're forced to make a decision quickly, they feel like they could easily be taken advantage of and get it wrong. And they let's face it, most people that come to us have been burned by religion. They've been fooled. They've been tricked into believing something that's not true. Now they come to a super skeptical. And so if you're coming to a super se- skeptical, you don't want somebody to go, come on, come on, come on, let's let's get it done. Mm. M- make that decision, cross that line, whatever it is. And so there's just this comfort level that overcomes people thinking, oh my goodness, these people are going to walk with me. Even <laughs> I'm very clear, I don't believe that yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about is just, you know, we, we kind of talked about some high level stuff, but, you know, quickly, you know, what does it mean if somebody comes to SMCC, you know, as a, and they come, they're saying, I'm 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 exploring God and faith. I'm not sure where I'll land on that. What does that mean practically when we say, hey, um, we'd love for people to join a team or we'd love for for people to get connected in community in a group? What does that mean? How does this value play out practically through that at our campuses?
2: Well, I would say um, you always have to cast the vision for why someone would want to take this next step. Why would they want to behave this way? Uh, we can't assume that, oh, you're a Christian, so you already know why groups are important. Or you're a Christian, so you know, already know why teams are important. Um, I think teams and groups are important even if you're not a Christian. I, think, I really think that's the case. I think um, sometimes teams—I'm I- a guy. I prefer getting to know people shoulder to shoulder rather than face to face— and I prefer getting stuff done rather than talking about my feelings. And so uh, when I first started attending a church, I wasn't sure I believed what they believed, but I was happy to play bass in the band because shoulder to shoulder with these people, I was able to experience the community and belong. So we talk about belonging, and a lot of people think, oh, I can just sit in the seats and belong. No, belonging extends further than that. Belonging happens in teams. It happens in groups. It happens beyond... um, the, uh, the rows, and extends into circles. And so this is a helpful way to talk about it. If you want to know what we mean about belong before you believe, you want to see how deep it goes, take a step out of a row into a circle, teams are circles, groups are circles, uh, and circle up with some people to see. And so very practically, I'm not going to assume that people are going to serve or volunteer or join a group just because it's what you do when you're a Christian. I want to cast a compelling vision for why you need that. Here's one way I, I like to talk about it with groups. If you wait to get in a group until you need a group, you won't have a group that loves you when you need it the most. You have to make a pre-decision that I need community before I feel like I need it so that you have it when you really do need it. Now, you don't need to be a Jesus follower to understand the significance of what I've just said. You don't have to be a Christian to go, you know what, I need some people around me. What type of people do I want around me? Well, I want loving and kind people around me. Where do I find loving and kind people? Well, you can find them in a lot of places, um, but SMCC is full of some of the most loving and kind people I've ever met. And so you don't need to have been baptized to jump into a, into a group or to serve in guest services. And so um, that's how deep this value really goes for us. And I think it's in every human to belong somewhere. Every human wants to belong somewhere. It might be your foursome on the golf course, might be the gals you go shopping with, might be your kid, the parents of your kid's baseball team. Be like these are these are the people I understand, and they understand me. And I I'm so impressed with the people who call SMCC home that are some of the most understanding people I've ever met. And so, if you're listening to this and you you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you don't even plan to become one. I hope you'd still check out a team or a group at SMCC because you will find people that you can belong with, and from there. Um, You'll have community when you need it the most. Well, Adam,
0: when you asked that question, I I kind of thought back on our huddles that we do before uh, our services on Sunday, and I I know, Adam, you do a great job with a huddle. I've seen you in action, And, and oftentimes we remind those teams that are serving on Sunday morning, children's ministry, guest services, band, whoever it might be, this is somebody's first Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like to say that it's someone's first time, and so let's just be aware of that. And I might tell a story of a person that was in my what is Christianity class, and until you go to a class like that, I don't think the average Christian recognizes how far from God some people are that come to SMCC. Mm-hmm. How how this is a completely foreign world to them. Mm-hmm. Like, when, when we advertise what is Christianity, we like to say, this is for people that don't know anything. And it's important that we say that so that people will come. The people we want to come will come, because they already know that they don't know anything. And then when we have the class, they demonstrate They don't understand anything and those are people sitting in the seats every sunday for every one person in what is christianity there's probably two people sitting in the seats that haven't attended yet and they're just kicking the
2: tires one time uh this is a this is a helpful way to tell this uh story to illustrate this value if you're a jesus follower surely uh you've been to a church setting or an event or maybe you are this person where people's are people's hands are raised during the singing Okay, people's hands are raised, and and I understand why we do that. I like to raise my hands at times. Uh, If you go to a sporting match, that sounds like soccer. I don't like soccer, but if you go to a hockey game, they score a goal. What do you immediately do? You jump up, you put your hands into the air, you make a fist. You know, there's something to celebrate, and our 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 physical bodies are a part of the celebration. Uh, They're a part of what's happening in our lives. Sometimes I have my hands open; it's a symbol of surrender. Sometimes I have my hands up; it's a symbol of victory. And and I understand that. And so people at SMCC, they understand that. The hand raisers are not weirdos. But when a person comes in for the first time, uh, a guest, they once asked us, and this happens a lot, why are they raising their hands to ask a question during the singing? They're thinking back to school. You raise your hand to ask a question. And that is an example of how much this person is a guest. Like, they, they don't know the etiquette that, like, And it's not even etiquette. They don't know the Christian subculture that people raise their hands when they sing as an expression or a demonstration of what they're singing. We are Christians. We understand that. If you're listening to this and you're a Jesus follower, you understand this. If you're not a Jesus follower and you've only come to SMCC a few times and you stumbled onto this, you're probably thinking, why are the weirdos raising their hands in church? Well, now you know why they raise their hands, the symbol of celebration or surrender. But now if you're a Jesus follower, you understand why not a lot of people do that here. And it's because... uh, There's a guest in the room, and the guest is thinking, are they trying to ask a question? Is the band going to stop and say, yes, you over there, what's your question? You know, this is just a perfect example of where um, outsider and insider culture come together. And uh, so anyways, that's just a, a way of thinking about this and observing this.
1: Yeah, and I was just thinking about, just kind of as we wrap this up, thinking about how I just so enjoyed this conversation that I had with somebody uh, yesterday that attends one of our campuses has been coming for, uh, you know, about a year and sat down with her and was talking with her about a lot of different things. But one of the things I thought was so cool is her just understanding, um, the culture that we're talking about belong before you believe, because she even recognized it. Like I said, in our messages, she was saying, you know, I realized that the message on Sunday, there's, there's a portion of it. That's for me. And then there's a portion of it, that's for that person that, doesn't know Jesus yet. You know, I think yeah, I've heard you call Eric kind of double-barreled, yep. uh, you know, preaching. A, um, bull-
2: a bullet in the gun for each listener. Maybe I should yeah. have like a more kind metaphor. For <laughs>
1: Something else besides a bullet. <laughs> it's
2: a Twix, it's a Twix candy bar. You got, yeah. you got you to... Gotta, you got the two sides. Yeah, the two sides.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I just, I love that she just recognized, she said, you know, this is such a big mission field here. And so I recognize that, the, you know, on Sunday... It's part of participating in a way of reaching with people, and she admitted, you know, in my small group, we do dive a little bit deeper, and we do talk a little bit more um, to to gain more understanding, but on Sunday, I just know coming in that um, this message is not 100% like dialed into the believer that has known Jesus for a while, and she's okay with that. You know, I think that just really well uh, just summarizes somebody that understands Mm -hmm. Um, that you can belong before you believe, in that's part of being a part of SMCC. Yeah,
2: there's there's no you know no surprises here. I would say the first five minutes or eight minutes of a message is getting everybody on the bus. Those are the those are the moments in the message that are designed for the person who doesn't really know if they want to listen. They don't know if they want to listen yet. They don't know if they trust the person they're listening to. Mm-hmm. And then the next few minutes of a message, I think, are 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 often geared towards making an argument for a conclusion. And then the conclusion is geared for the Jesus follower. And so. Uh, when I step back and look at a message, might be four or five pages typed up, and I'll say, "Where are the moments f- that have uh, the Jesus follower in mind, and where are the moments that are geared for the non the non Jesus follower?" And um, I'm, I'm just it's just a discipline of mine to look at a message and evaluate it uh, in those terms.
1: Excellent. Well, guys, I want to start to kind of land the plane here on the, with this podcast episode today. Um, I want to read a question. Now, we got via email. Uh, they asked to remain anonymous, so we're totally going to honor that. But someone had a question that I wanted you guys to answer, and I think it's actually a really good question. Uh, so she says this in her email. Andy Stanley says, In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. She says it sounds easy to do, but is so hard. Totally get that. It is good enough. Is it good enough to forgive, but just pretend that person doesn't exist? For example, if you are in the same room, does there have to be reconciliation, guys? What do you think about that question? Well, you know, she's not far from a good
0: place. Um, I have said we can forgive someone in our hearts, but if they don't ask for forgiveness, then. We're not actually going to be reconciled to that person. There has that reconciliation takes two. Forgiveness takes one. Mm-hmm. So I can forgive without reconciliation. And so if a person does not recognize that they've wronged me or don't they don't want to admit that, I can forgive them. But then what I do is I release them, so to speak, to God. I just give them to God and I say, God, you do what you do best in a person's heart, I'm not going to try to get them to repent or get them to ask me forgiveness. Or I am just going to go into a mode of love. I'm just going to love them. I'm not going to add consequences to their sin against me. I'm not going to uh, humiliate them. I'm not going to talk bad about them. I'm, I'm just going to release them to you and carry on as a loving person. And I and I love some of the things that Tim Keller has said. He's described forgiveness as I'll pay so that you don't have to. And so I, I think she's on to something. It is painful. That yeah. I had to pay so that you didn't have to. Mm. And that's real. And that pain is real. And that's why we have to take it to the cross and, and just thank God for you know pain so that we wouldn't have to mm. and, and use that as fuel and encouragement to actually follow through on that forgiveness.
2: Yeah, you know, there's a couple things I want to add to that. Um, Forgiveness is saying, uh, I don't expect you to pay me back. It's releasing from a debt. That's forgiveness, Mm -hmm. and so it's helpful to define that. Forgiveness is releasing from a debt. It's not, uh, I forgot. Forgiving is not forgetting. It's releasing from a debt. Uh, It's not things go back to normal either, all right? And so she's kind of getting at that, like... I pretend I don't see them, and, and how do I do this? So when someone hurts you, they actually have taken something from you. So when it comes to forgiveness, they took something from me, but I don't expect them to pay me back, because most of the time people who hurt you like that can't pay you back or won't pay you back. And so you can release from a debt. But the other thing that she's talking about is uh, the it comes to me, you know, the, the idea I have for it is just a boundary. It's a a boundary. I have an equipment malfunction. Sorry, guys. Paul Paul (laughs) knocked his microphone off. A boundary is I'm going to put a limit around this relationship because I'm going to limit the damage that they could do to me in the future. I'm going to put a boundary here so they can't extend or cause more hurt or more harm in my life. So when she says, do I pretend they don't exist, that's probably a pretty harsh boundary. That's probably maybe too much. Um, But certainly a boundary is uh, I'm not going to... The relationship's not going to look like it used to. I'm not going to hang out with you alone, perhaps. I'm not going to confide in you with this. I'm not going to open my life up to you in this way. And this goes into so many. I'm
0: not going to continue to invest in the same way I did before.
2: Absolutely. And so I would encourage uh, the person who sent this email to realize forgiving means releasing from a debt. I would encourage that person to do that. Don't expect them to pay you back. Don't. And so you've paid, so they don't have to. Um, and then I'm going to create a boundary, and wisdom helps you figure out what the boundary looks like. Uh, maybe for this person, if it's like, what does that boundary look like? Maybe meet with a meet with a person, meet with your small group leader, Bible study leader, one of the pastors, and we'd be happy to help you figure out what that boundary is. I don't know the extent of the pain, so I don't know the extent of the boundary, but yes, there should be a boundary with someone who has hurt you.
1: Excellent. Thanks, guys, for answering that question. And I encourage you guys that are listening, if you do have questions that are like that, or maybe even different than that, uh, those are good questions to to have answered here. And uh, we can do them anonymously, we can do them on a voicemail and email, whatever it might be. That email again would be just simply SMCC at smccutah.org, and you can send in that question there. Just a reminder, guys, as we wrap up, please, if you haven't already, go ahead and leave a review on wherever you listen to that podcast, whether it be iTunes, uh, whether it be Spotify or Google. That helps us out a lot. Uh, We love having questions come in again and love getting those reviews to come in just to see what people are thinking and uh, get some great feedback. Uh, We're going to come back next week as we explore our next value, and our next value that we're going to be going into is maturity is measured by how well we love God and others and I think there's gonna be a great conversation to come with that so we just ask you guys stay subscribed stay listening and uh, we will see you next week
0: thanks again for joining us for the fully delighted podcast if you enjoyed what you heard today please subscribe give us a rating or share with a friend for more information about smcc please visit our website at smccutah.org thanks again for trusting us with your time and we hope to have you back again soon